Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for our latest episode of the Perspectives from the C-Suite Leadership Podcast. Our discussion for this podcast series focuses on leadership topics within healthcare, pharmacy practice, development of leadership skills, and more. Today, we'll visit with three accomplished hospital and health system executives that just so happen to be pharmacists. We are very fortunate to have three pharmacists in the C-suite who have had successful careers and contributed significantly to our nation's healthcare and professional associations across our country. Our conversation will focus on their professional journeys as healthcare executives within their organizations. We'll also be asking for their perspectives about the current environment and future perspectives on healthcare and how we can continue to support patient care and practice advancement. My name is David Chen, and I'll be your host for this special edition of Pharmacist and the C-Suite, Professional Journeys and Perspectives on Healthcare. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. And with me today, we have Udobi Campbell, Vice President for Operations at UNC Hospitals, Rick Caldry, Vice President, Pharmacy and Health Professions at the University of Kansas Health System, and Indu Liu, Executive Vice President, Chief of Staff for RWJ Barnabas Health. Now to get us rolling today, let's, we'd like to ask a topic by asking each of you to share your background and career journey with an emphasis on those critical points in life that encourage you to pursue formal leadership roles in your careers and the current position that you hold today. So Udobi, if I could point to you to get us started, please. Sure, thank you, David. It's really a pleasure to be with you and, and uh, with the rest of the panel today. Good question. I really do believe that the seeds that have led to where I am today were planted really many years ago during my years, even as a student pharmacist and a pharmacy technician. I was always interested in serving through leadership and finding ways to improve processes and seek good outcomes. But when I became a pharmacist, I didn't immediately continue to follow that path. I did pursue a PGY1 residency as I was still really trying to determine whether being a clinician with direct patient care responsibilities was in fact my passion. So over time, however, I kept getting drawn to all things administrative. And when I say all things, I mean all things. In 2005, I did decide to go back to pursue an MBA and fully launch a career in administration. So halfway through that program, pharmacy director uh, really took a chance and gave me a role as a manager. From there, my leadership responsibilities continued to expand in scope. Even as I moved on from that initial organization, I have held leadership roles overseeing inpatient pharmacy services and outpatient pharmacy services as an associate chief pharmacy officer. In 2020, right at the start of the pandemic, I did join UNC Health as a pharmacy executive for a region that we call Triangle West. And then roughly a year ago, I assumed my current role as VP of operations with oversight of uh, five hospital departments. You know, I, I will reiterate this. Earlier when I said that I was drawn to everything administrative, I really meant it. This included things outside of pharmacy. 
I have always had this curiosity uh, for understanding how all things connect to deliver on that daily mission that we have as an organization. And as you all know, that goes well beyond just our own departments, our own pharmacy departments. And so that natural curiosity, plus the training that I had as a pharmacy leader, prepared me really well for when a broader opportunity, such like the one I have now, presented itself. So that's really my journey, and I'm I'm really excited uh, to be able to share it. Thank you. Yeah, great. Thank you so much, Udobi, and congratulations on that journey. And Rick, if I could turn to you next, uh, I know you have also a couple of service lines that, that you oversee and trying to make sure that everything connects as well. Yeah, David, thank you. And I was just reflecting as I was listening to Udobi share her story. And I think that a couple of things that she talked about, I have similarities with, with my journey. I, I started off as a, a clinical pharmacist on a cardiology floor. And I, I tried that out. Well, I actually loved taking care of patients. And I really enjoyed the opportunity I had day to day to make a difference. What I discovered is sort of a eternal desire for change and making things better or improving what we do on a day-to-day basis at a broader scale. And so it was the good fortune to have a great mentor who connected me with an administrative residency here at Kansas after practicing as a year. And I went through that administrative residency and then I have my spent the rest of my career here at the University of Kansas. First as a assistant director when I graduated from the administrative residency and then as director of pharmacy and then into an executive director of pharmacy, which is our version of chief pharmacy officer here at the University of Kansas Health System. And then finally, for the last seven years, almost seven years anyway, I've been in my current role where I'm responsible for all of uh, health professions or ancillary services, as it's called in many organizations. It includes all of the clinical services in the health system that are not physician and not nursing. So lab, radiology, rehab, respiratory, et cetera, including a very robust pharmacy enterprise. The other thing that I was really reflecting on, and you thank you for sharing your story, Udobi, is part of what drove me, I think is the same, is a curiosity. Like I'm genuinely interested in learning, understanding how things work. It's one of the great joys of transitioning in my current role is getting to know other people, processes, and departments and how they work and how everything interconnects. So that's that's kind of my story, David, and it's, uh, it's been a great ride so far. Well, great. This emerging theme of curiosity is arising. And so, Indu, if we could turn to you and your journey to your current interesting role and, and an interesting job title, too. Thanks, David. I started in our system when I was in pharmacy school, started as a tech, became a clinical pharmacist there, moved on to a clinical coordinator role in another facility. Unfortunately, that facility closed down. So then moved to the pharmaceutical industry and worked for a company for a number of years. But I really missed hospital pharmacy, came back to the same health system as a pharmacist. Then, interestingly enough, took a position within the health system as a fellow So important point here that titles matter, but sometimes you need to overlook what a title is for opportunity. Then became director of pharmacy education and research, vice president of pharmacy, the senior vice president of pharmacy and chief pharmacy officer. After the pandemic, executive vice president, chief pharmacy officer, 
And then finally, last year, took a position as chief of staff to our health system. And in a couple of weeks, we'll be in that position for one year. There are some critical points, however, I, I know you had asked, what are some critical points that really made you choose particular decisions? The first, I think, is really critical to have a mentor that believes in you and gives you opportunities. One of the pharmacy directors that I had the good fortune of working with really said, pharmacists can do anything we want to do as long as we put our mind to it. She stood behind those words and she stood behind her team. The second is sometimes you're presented with multiple opportunities at the same time. And that's what happened to me. I had a opportunity to work with one of the world-renowned cardiologists within our health system. And this was before ambulatory care pharmacy was a thing. So to work side by side uh, this physician or take a 18-month grant funded position at corporate where at the end of 18 months, I wouldn't have a job. I ended up taking the position at corporate because I looked at that as an 18-month interview and thinking how you could effectuate change system-wide as opposed to one being in one uh, facility. And the third piece is really moving outside of pharmacy as Udobi and Rick have done. And it's hard. It's hard to take a role when you've been so immersed and so passionate about the profession of pharmacy to take a role outside of the division that you've built your team with to take a new position for the system. So this position, Chief of Staff, is new to our organization. We have a new CEO as well that came on board in January of 2023. But this is really an opportunity to help develop this strategy, not only for our healthcare system, but also within the state of New Jersey. So, and we'll, I'm sure, discuss it later on. It's really about taking risks that are either presented to you or ones that you have to seek after. Hey, thank you for those comments. And and actually, you set me up rather nicely for the next question as we move on that I'd like to address to Rick. So first off, thank you all for sharing the insights into your journey as to where you've gotten today. Really enlightening and I think really helps to share with our listening audience you know, the different paths and, and those critical points of having mentors and opportunities or support to take opportunities. Rick, I'd like to take this next question to you because I think it ties in the the notion of of mentors and support to take opportunities. Can you speak a little bit about your perspectives on how you've been successful in developing your teams and organizational culture, as well as establishing yourself and achieving influence as you've progressed through your career? Yep. Happy to talk about that, David. You know, I reflect on this a lot. There's not a tremendous amount of teaching that I've found about culture in organization and establishing teams. And that is, a, I think, the most important thing or one of the most important things you, that you can do and that you're responsible for in, a, in an executive role. And establishing culture is one thing. What I think sometimes we lose sight of is maintaining culture. And it is something that I have found in my experience. It, it's like gardening. If you, if you don't pay attention to it on a daily basis and you're not supporting the work and doing things ahead of time to make sure that the environment's right, that the soil is rich and tilled and, and taking and getting the weeds pulled out of the culture all the time, then it is something that will go in the wrong direction for you really quickly. And culture drives everything we do. And in healthcare, it's 
is incredibly important because our business in healthcare is really people taking care of people. And if you don't have the right culture to support and grow the people that you have in your organization, attract the best talent because people want to work at a great place with great people and where they enjoy doing, uh, enjoy doing their work, and then it, you're going to really struggle. And we, we all know healthcare is tough. Like it is not a field or a career that is for the faint of heart. We have difficult challenges financially. We have difficult situations in people that affects people's lives. You, you have to really have purpose and commitment if you want to be an, a leader and especially an executive, I think, in the, in the field of healthcare. And along with the other part of your question, you talked about, uh, or you asked about achieving influence. And in my experience, influence at the executive level comes with both achieving results, but, but also helping the organization and, and driving the, the mission of the organization in a way that is aligned with your senior executives and the other people that you work with. You want to be able to be someone who is seen consistently and all of your organization that you support is seen consistently as a team that is ready, willing, and able to raise their hand, to help out and deliver. And I think that bears with it the most significant amount of influence that you can get in an organization. And that's a central and key to, to what I think an executive role requires. And thanks for that, Rick. And, and you know, the, when I think about the, the words that you use around alignment, you know, the importance of people and culture, it really helps me kind of frame the question that I like to pose to you, Udobi. You know, you, you work in an organization that has a diverse patient care settings and locations. I know you said earlier, I think one of the things that drove your curiosity was how things all fit together. So I can only imagine that, you know, you have to wear sort of a slightly different hat or different roles as you try to coordinate all the different sites of care and align all the different groups of providers in these different sites of care and all the different people that are supportive of all the different sites of care. Can you expand on what you've learned or some of the things that you've seen as challenges and some of your successes on what does it take to be an effective leader when you have to integrate different sites of care within one organization, like the UNC hospitals. Thanks, David. And and yes, you are right that there are very diverse patient care settings, diverse locations, diverse departments, you know, involved in, in, in the work that we have to try to align. Each of these care settings or locations or departments were established for a purpose. And this is something I I, I smiled as Rick mentioned it, a purpose that has the patient in the center, right? So from that perspective, they all share a common goal. The trick is always making sure we keep that purpose, that why in the forefront and be willing to verbalize and explain how one care setting may support the other, how one department may support the other in carrying out the mission. I always tell people we should not ever expect that staff can read our minds. They're not mind readers. We need to communicate. We need to be very intentional with what we are communicating. So, for example, right, let's just say an organization decides to establish acute care at home program, which is becoming more and more common around the nation. That alone could be seen as yet another new work, right? 
but making sure that not only the leaders, but frontline staff understand the benefits of the program becomes critical. For that hospital staff being asked to help identify patients who are candidates for an acute care home program, it becomes just another work until we take the time, until we intentional in explaining that if a patient is able to be cared for at home in this different environment, that it is not only satisfying for the patient, but also allows the staff to use critical skills that they have on patients who are sick enough to be in the brick and mortar. So I would say, I think as it relates to, to this, this question and really what I I try to do with all the different departments that I have is, is that communication and helping our teams connect the dots is, is truly a necessary skill to be successful. It's not a one and done. Sometimes we have to do it over and over again. But ultimately, all these different departments have the patient at the center or or the sites of care, all the people involved in it. We can't make any of those sites work without the people. And we have to be vigilant in how we communicate just to make sure that our staff, our people understand the why and the benefits of all those sites of care and, and departments. Thank you, Debbie. And you know, I think there's key words that you also mentioned here is with the communication piece. And it sounds like it could be very much a straight line, but clearly not when you think about all the different interests and personalities. And even as we mentioned with, with Rick's portion about the different cultures, but communication, communication, and explaining the why so that everyone understands the purpose, as you mentioned, the patient in the center. So thank you for that. Thank you. So I'd like to shift back to Indu. As a long-term leader with ASHP and having worked with leaders across the nation, what advice do you have for a pharmacist that might be considering pursuing a hospital or health system executive role that includes other service lines along with pharmacy or outside or above pharmacy? Thanks, David. And really, uh, when I was listening to Rick and Udobi, so many of these concepts really emanate through because as pharmacy leaders, we have a unique set of experiences and skill sets that really make us perfectly poised to take on hospital or health system leadership roles outside of pharmacy. Udobi said it best, we have excellent communication skills. Rick mentioned it also. We are very successful at developing teams because at the basis of teams is ensuring that we have the right culture, teams for bringing the right people on board, and teams for ensuring that we have appropriate succession planning in place. We inspire, motivate, and collaborate with groups outside of our division. For example, pharmacists deal with nursing, they deal with the medical staff, they deal with supply chain, the Office of Emergency Medicine, radiology, anesthesia, you name it, pharmacy touches everybody. We are so well-versed in covering the operational, clinical, and financial landscape. It's just a very easy glide path to go into other roles. Also, too, we execute because without execution, there are no measurements of success. And I think the pandemic truly was the great magnifier for the profession of pharmacy. It opened up senior leadership's eyes 
as to what pharmacy leaders are capable of doing. It shows how we can be leveraged beyond the pharmacy enterprise into positions of senior leadership. But the other piece too, as pharmacy leaders, we may not be exposed to certain areas. We may not be familiar with the revenue payer mix. We might not be familiar with the business development strategies that are happening. How are we connecting those strategies to the ambulatory care environment? So if we're not familiar with a certain area, the great thing about pharmacy leaders, as Udobi mentioned, we are very curious. We're never satisfied. We're continually pursuing excellence and learning, which really poises us to really move into other areas within pharmacy, outside of pharmacy, into health system leadership. We have the skill sets to move outside of pharmacy into other areas of senior management. And you're seeing this this growing phenomena across the country where we're moving into those roles. Thank you very much. And I think all the characteristics you just summarized really helps to set the table for for our last question for, for three of you today. Because the last question today is one that, again, is noted like for each one of you to, to answer individually because your career journeys have clearly put you in terrific roles as leaders within health systems. And we wanna pick your brain a little bit about what your thoughts are in the future. And I think Rick, you talked definitely about healthcare leadership. It's a tough a tough area to, to lead in. It's a demanding, rigorous environment of patient care. Udobi, you've mentioned acute care at home, and you know, we're constantly innovating and needing to communicate as those innovations are put into place. And then, Indu, you just wrap things up with talking about uh, just how well-prepared pharmacy executives are to be leaders in this landscape of change and pursue higher-level positions. So the question I'd like to ask all of you, though, is if you had to pick a couple what is your leadership imperative for hospital and healthcare executives to be successful in today's environment? And maybe a couple there of what would be success needs for success. And then also, if you wouldn't mind sharing, what does your priority list look like? And if those couple of items would, are the same, could I start off with you, Andrew? Sure. So they really are the same. I think the first thing is you have to take calculated risks. You have to look at the opportunities that are presented to you or you have to seek them out. And all of us, both Rick, Udobi, and I, we've done so within our career journey. I mentioned execution before. Without execution, there is no measurement of success. Execution cannot happen without the elements of planning and strategy. They are totally interdependent. Without strategy and planning, execution isn't focused. It's really aimless. But without the execution, your strategy plan becomes useless. So that is a critical piece for anybody in any leadership position. You have to create the right team around you and surround yourself with people that are smart, strategic, have diversity of thought and experience. And you have to take the time to listen. And probably the most important piece, I think, is establishing a foundation of trust. That trust is essential in motivating and inspiring members of your team. It's essential in helping everyone endure crisis and manage difficult situations. 
this trust in these human relationships are bi-directional. And if trust is established, we share a understanding that's necessary for organized and strategic action. It allows you to delegate and count on team members. It allows team members to execute to their full potential. The team becomes cohesive. You build morale. You're able to solicit feedback and understand and listen. You communicate the intent behind your actions, create a climate of respect, and follow through on the commitments so your organization can move beyond what they thought is possible. There's a lot of headwinds out there in healthcare right now, whether it's the reimbursement from insurance companies, really whether it's different organizations coming together and taking over healthcare. We've seen it where Amazon and Walgreens and One Medical and other medical groups are coming together, lots and lots of different headwinds. And we have to be poised to be able to address those headwinds and be able to pivot our strategies and our operational formulas that we have in place in order to meet those headwinds. But none of that would happen unless you have that environment of trust and the right team around you. Right. Thank you so much, Indu. And if we could turn now to to you, Yodobi. Yeah, Indu does such an awesome job with that response. I'll say this, it's certainly no surprise to anyone that what care delivery and healthcare in general look like today are very different from what they were prior to the pandemic. And Indu mentioned this as well. We have workforce shortages, capacity challenges that are impacting our ability to take care of patients. And in some cases, new technologies that we don't quite know how to use yet. But at the end of the day, we have to be willing to rethink the type of service we are providing to patients. Is it timely? Is it seamless? And does it provide really a good experience for our patients in in general? Have we built a solid culture of caring, development, and support for our staff? Are pharmacists and physician providers able to care for patients in the manner that they had hoped for, rather than having to be caught in inefficiencies that present as roadblocks throughout the day? We have to be willing to dig deeper to really understand the causes and avoid band-aids. We we tend to sometimes run to band-aids, but we've got to be willing to dig in the heels and understand what are the root causes of, of challenges that we are seeing if we're going to be successful in the future. There are many things that we have that could potentially be holding us back as, an, as any organization. And again, we have to be willing to tackle those things, no matter how difficult they are. And I will add this, it's important that the potential of failure doesn't hold us back. Because we will fail if we're willing to take risks, as as Indu alluded to earlier. There will be periods of failure, but that is that is part of this process. And we have to be willing to think outside the box, partner more than we've ever partnered to be successful. Hey, thank you. You know, I, mean, I think that was great. A lot of what you said, or all of actually everything that you said, very complimentary and still different from what Indu shared with her perspectives. And so, Rick, if we could turn to you. Yeah, I get the benefit of going third and having the wisdom and intellect from my two compatriots here go before me so I can hopefully try to build on what they said. Because I agree with you, David, 
Everything that Indu and Udobi said is spot on. And I was, I was just kind of making some notes mentally as they were both talking. So one of the things that I put out there is as executive or someone looking for this kind of role or leadership in healthcare, you have to be someone who has a burning drive to not accept the status quo. And you talked about being able to be willing to take risks. You know, we talked about accepting failure and learning from it and moving forward. And especially in the current climate with healthcare, where there's so many challenges, we are not going to move through those challenges by trying to solve those, those problems we had today with the same tools we had yesterday. It doesn't work. And so you have to be willing to, as, as was stated, dig deep and focus on being able to provide great service in an environment where people are very happy to come to work every day and, and work. I said this earlier, but I think that my colleagues here just really said it more eloquently than I. Healthcare is a people, people, people business. It is all about people. So if you want to be a leader in healthcare, you have to have strong skills with people. You have to understand human interactions and culture. And because everything we do is about delivering care to another person. And so there, there's just an intensity with both the compassion and the care and the science that's required in our industry to make that work. And with all the headwinds, workforce shortages, financial challenges, it's a tough environment. And so being able to understand people, how they think, how they work, create an environment where they want to be there, create a culture that they feel like a part of and they're proud to be a part of is actually, I think, very critical, even more so than it has been in the past in the current day. And that's that's kind of my my thoughts. And thank you for the opportunity to speak. Yeah, that's excellent, Rick. I think you were successful in your, with addressing your concern and following uh, Udobi and Indu that you added another layer of the whole learning drive, the sort of the passion to the process and then the people and the human factors. So Thank you all three. I think everyone listening actually got three different perspectives that actually none of them can be by themselves, but interconnected are critical characteristics for success into the future as healthcare objectives. So thank you very much for that. So everyone who is listening with us today, that is all the time we have. And I want to thank Udobi, Rick, and Indu for joining us today and sharing their pearls of wisdom on their journey to success. So thank you to our guests for the leadership, service, and role modeling you've provided for our profession. In addition, thank you for providing your perspectives on areas of priority in leading our nation's hospitals and health systems. Again, Rick and Udobi, thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. And to find more member-exclusive content, including resources for self-development, leading pharmacy enterprises and teams, and practice management on the ASHP website. So thank you for joining us. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to at ASHP official podcast for more engaging podcasts to help you lead pharmacy practice into the future and patient care management. Thank you very much and have a great day. Thank you for listening to ASHP official the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.